Welcome to Will's Personal Development Podcast, where we bring you data and science-backed answers and advice from billionaires. What's up, everyone? My name is Will, and today we are going to be talking about the top 10 or more mistakes that young people make. These are the top 10 most common life mistakes that young people make, and they often are constantly repeated. I think the fascinating or kind of sad part about human nature is that most young people don't really uh, consider looking at history or the past, so they just kind of repeat the same old mistakes over and over again and screw up their lives. I think the one of the big reasons that society and civilization advances is because some of the few humans who are smart enough to seize the opportunity to learn from the past take that opportunity and guess what happens? They progress. They learn from the mistakes of their ancestors and end up taking that and saving a bunch of time and money and heartache by avoiding those mistakes. And of course, that's why psychologically and genetically we are so wired to love stories because stories really are not just to entertain but to teach future generations of the mistakes of the past so that we learn from them. So let's just get straight off the bat. Again, before I get started, you probably may be new to this podcast. So as a quick recap, my name is Will and if you're wondering why you should trust What I'm saying here, well, what I love to do for sometimes hours every day, every day is just that. Learn the most common life mistakes that young people make. Why? Because I'm young and I want to save a lot of time and money. So I've been doing this for years and years and years. And of course, with that type of hobby, you tend to pick up on patterns and useful things. So I'll be sourcing from all the mistakes that young people have made. Of course, I'll be focusing on successful people, contrasting them with unsuccessful people I see, and uh, you know, citing specific examples, names, and even sourcing advice from other people directly, which I'll be quoting, uh, not just any people, but successful, established, famous people, so that you can feel trusted with this advice. And even if at that point you still don't believe what I say, just keep it in your mind and then go ahead and listen to all the other interview podcasts or YouTube interviews out there of successful people. And after you watch or listen to at least 50, you will see the same patterns. So feel free to go out on your own and check what I have to tell you if you still don't believe me. So there's the credibility. Let's just get straight into the first Most common life mistake that I see young people make. Now, this one is so common, and yet uh, it just gets repeated over and over again. And I think it's kind of ridiculous at this point, but when you really step back and you realize that most people aren't like me, most people don't spend a ungodly amount of time studying successful people, then you realize... Okay, it does make sense why people uh, make these mistakes over and over again. And so the first common and probably huge, hugely impactful mistake is that uh, they are, most people live very short-sighted lives and don't strategize for the long term. So 
what the heck does that mean? Well, here's a specific example. You see this a lot. Um, people blow all their money. They spend it all on clothes or jewelry or shoes or whatever else. They save very little of it and they just party it up. Uh, the most atrocious examples are usually the social media influencers, the YouTubers, the Instagrammers. There's a lot of young people nowadays who are getting very rich, very young. They start up a social media following. Maybe it's around fashion, modeling, humor, comedy. And all of a sudden, within a few years, they're making millions of dollars. Uh, and of course, it's not easy. Of course, there's a lot of factors as to why. Some of it's luck. Some of it's you know choosing a trend that happens to be their passion. Some of it's hard work. Some of it's talent. And all these things just aligned and they make all this money. What I want you to focus on is the how they... Uh, choose to live their lifestyles after that money's being made. And don't limit this to young people. I think middle-aged and older people do this too when they finally first get rich. Uh, so, uh, so they learn from their mistakes only after they've lost all their money and then had an ego check. So this happens all the time. You know, people, uh, they don't spend within their means and they don't think long-term. So there's more to this. Um, I guess you could call this part two. But the second part to that is uh, learning that you're not invincible. So the second big common mistake that uh, young people make is that uh, they have an ego issue. So this is um, dominant in both genders. Definitely more so males. But females too, especially if uh, they made their money in through their looks so i'll explain what that means so uh biologically and genetically males have more of an ego than females and usually this causes them to strive for power status fame um and there's biological reasons for this because those things usually mean that you have a higher chance of survival and reproduction for you and your future offspring. Uh so I don't want to make this a science class, but essentially uh everything kind of points back to survival and reproduction. And so we have developed egos as a species as males uh to get these resources, this status and fame and so forth. And the problem with that is that with the the status and fame and ego, uh, although it's sometimes a good thing, an extreme amount leads to uh, overstepping and mistakes. I mean, it's that part is not rocket science. It's it's common sense. Like if you think you're much better than you are, then you are going to trip up because your confidence has become arrogance or overconfidence, which by definition means that you think you are better. Than you actually are. You are. You think you're more competent than you actually are, and so there's a lot of real world examples of this. Um, I want to point your attention first to James Altucher. He's one of the top podcasters of all time. He also runs a very popular personal blog at jamesaltucher.com, and I stumbled across him through another huge personal finance blogger by the name of Ramit Sethi. And essentially, with James. Um, he got started with business during the big internet boom of the 2000s. He made millions. Then he thought he was a hotshot. He could do no wrong. And he invested all of his money 
into tech stocks. And he really didn't know what the heck he was doing. He didn't really thoroughly understand investing. Uh, investing is actually a very thorough, complicated topic. Uh, and not so much complicated as in you really have to do your homework. And he thought he could do no wrong. So he poured all his millions. I think he had like 15 million at that point. He put it all into this one tech stock and it went to zero. And there's one point where every week for like eight weeks or four to eight weeks, it was losing. He lost a million dollars or more per week. Uh, he writes all about it on his blog and his book, Choose Yourself. And he thought he was invincible. So he went from uh, this man who thought he was so good at everything to putting his money in something that was outside of his actual circle of competence. That's a term that Warren Buffett loves using. It, it, it's just a fancy way of saying like knowing what you're actually good at versus what um, you aren't good at. So he went outside of that circle of competence and he screwed up really badly. And what was worse was that he had a wife and two kids to support and a mortgage and house payments. And at first, you know, he was flying high because he, he had so much money. But then he was completely broke, didn't know how to make it back, ended up moving out of the city, ended up uh, putting his children to a worse school because he couldn't pay for a better education anymore because he was broke and, you know, getting depressed and all this other stuff. And then he, it, it's, it was, you, you get the point. It was a really bad experience. And uh, there's plenty of stories like this that just kind of repeat over and over again. And I believe that podcast episodes like this, and uh, other ones out there uh, that interview successful people are kind of changing the rhythm a bit because the spread of information and ideas and history is faster and in a more uh, kid-friendly way that's more fun to consume. So I believe the opportunity there is there for more and more people to become successful now because they seize this opportunity and learn from the mistakes of the past. There's plenty of other examples. I just want to bring your mind to another one. I actually found out about this today just to give you an idea about how common these are. But um, this man was the founder of Elite Daily. He sold his company for $50 million. Before that, he made millions in revenue, not net profit revenue. So he could have made a lot less, but he had his own uh, agency that helped businesses grow. And he made his agency, not him, his agency made uh, millions in Revenue. The way, the reason I'm making all these distinctions is because uh, a lot of these like interviewees, they love to quote revenue numbers, but revenue is before you pay for all your expenses, like employees, overhead, uh, electricity, internet. So you could say you have seven figure revenue, but in reality, you're barely scraping by on like $10,000 a year. So uh, that's why I, I'm really suspicious of those numbers. So I'm just making a distinction for you, even though this guy didn't make it in his video. The point is, he's pretty good. He's fairly rich. And um, he mentioned in this interview that was recent, re recently released on the Founder podcast that uh, at one point during his mid-20s, his early to mid-20s, he was flying high. He was doing really well with his agency and he put a, a large portion of the money he made, surprise, surprise, into stocks. And then the 2008 slash 2009 uh, economic recession slash crash came 
and he lost all of his money, had a huge ego check. And, and he even said before that he thought he could do no wrong because he was flying around in private jets, traveling and seeing the world. Uh, so I think just that's really important to see. And I'm fortunate enough to um, not be rich to that extent yet. Uh, that's a fancy way of saying I'm not rich. <laughs> but um, the point is, I had the fortune of you know, studying these people and not uh, learning it the opposite way where I had to learn through hard experience. And that would have just cost me a lot of time and just like, you know, being a dick to people and, you know, wasting all this money. Uh, so anyhow, first two things, long-term strategy and ego. So um, the third one, and this one kind of breaks into long-term strategy, but goes kind of deeper and gets more granular and gets very specific. So long-term strategy could mean a lot of things. So uh, number three, the third common mistake young people make is that they don't build their life, career, profession for living 70 to 90 years. Uh, and I think... What this means specifically is that when people have jobs or businesses, they conduct their business or their career as if that even if they like, you know, screw up really badly, it doesn't matter. And they, because they think that they won't have to see these people again. And that's how they treat their customers. That's how they build their businesses. And of course, they build it on pillars of sand, which crumble. So if you're going to live until 2030, as Gary Vaynerchuk says, you want to build your business as if it's going to last until 2030. So whether or not you have a business, apply the same thing to your career. Figure out what your competitive advantages are and develop those. If you don't have them yet, discover what potential you have and develop those for the long term. And specifically how I apply that to my life to give you some more concrete examples, because this may still seem very high level in theory. Um, for me, uh, I value learning and improvement so much beyond making money in the short term. And by short term, for me, I mean in the next five to 10 years. So what that essentially means is because I have studied so many billionaires and seen how long it takes them to succeed and you know actors and actresses and all these people that have literally spent years getting to where they are now uh that uh it just doesn't make sense for me to think so short term because when you treat people whether it's coworkers or customers as if Oh, we're going to just, we're just trying to make a quick exit. We're going to like treat you well for the next like few years. But then when some big company buys us out, you know, we're going to throw you off to the curb. Customers sense that they know that you're being treated for the short term on some level. And of course, that's going to be reflected somehow in how often they return and buy from you, how often that they spend with you, whether or not they're going to tell other people about you. And that also affects your personal brand and all that other stuff. I think how you can apply this uh, for most people um, is Instagram models. I think that though that's a great example that anyone can use. Um, Instagram models, uh, they're usually young women in their 20s who make it big on Instagram. They have millions of followers and they model. 
And the problem is that they often think short term. Like if you were to quiz any of these people, they don't think long term in terms of what they're going to do when their modeling career ends. And we and, and a female's genetic youth peak uh, and peak of fertility is usually from maybe uh, the early 20s to mid 30s, maybe um, maybe 40s if you're lucky. And so that's a very short window considering that you're going to live until your 80s or 90s. So if your career is so, so short, same thing applies for sports athletes like football players, basketball players, and so forth. If your career window is that short, then what are you doing to support yourself once that dies? And most of these models are doing such a cliche thing, but I see it all the time. They live for the short term. So they spend as if they will still have that level of income for the rest of their lives. And it's like, no, once you hit 30, maybe 40, uh, unless you've planned and strategized for the long term, you're going to get older and you're going to be less attractive and companies are going to pay you less to model. And so use that as an example to create your own life. You might be like, well, I'm not a supermodel. Well, I'm not either. But how can you apply that to your own life? For me, I make sure to budget and invest and save my money for the long term. So if I get a huge raise or if I get a sudden windfall of money suddenly from maybe a side business or maybe I release a product uh, to my podcast listeners or my, my blog audience or something and I get an extra flow of income I wasn't expecting, I don't just go out and spend that all. I strategize for the future. Jessica Alba is a great example of someone who's done this very well. Uh, she, uh, and I also found out about this from a Gary Vaynerchuk interview uh, of her. And essentially what she did was she she revealed that when she was young, she was always planning for the long term. And it's so rare to meet someone like this. Like, um, I challenge you to test this out. If you were if you ever meet a Instagram model or someone who makes a living modeling, ask them in a polite way, of course, like, what are you gonna do once your modeling career ends? Uh, like, do you have a plan B? How are you going to make money? And most of them don't think that far or their answers are very naive and probably won't work out. Like, oh, you know, I think, I think my modeling will work out or I'm going to become a doctor or something like that to the tune of that. Usually it's just Tom, they haven't thought about it. And it, it frustrates me to quite an extent when I see stuff like that. Now, um, the next thing that I want to explain to you, uh, it goes back to something I hinted at before, which is uh, a big reason for this uh, short-sighted thinking. Uh, and of course, there's ego for men. There's also ego for women, but it's less less of an influence. The bigger thing for women uh, would be the youth peak fertility uh, cycle or timeline of a standard female human uh, so uh what that means i'm sorry for throwing out all these terms i'm trying to just use normal language sometimes it just slips out but um what i'm trying to say is that for a woman as i said she hits her 
hottest, most youthful, most fertile, most attractive state, usually around ballpark mid-20s. Some might even argue early 20s. And so guess what happens? That is where where and why uh, a lot of girls make so much money at such an early age because the Hollywood industry, based off their business model, of course, they want these attractive women at that age. And of course, that's something that uh, is able to scale to millions of viewers and therefore they're able to make a lot of money off of it. So they find these women and of course, that's where they're seen as the most attractive. The problem with that is quite obvious these naive women get in their heads that they're like the they they can do no wrong that they're amazing that they can't that everything that they do is um great and they're unstoppable and they'll always make this money and money comes so easily to them uh and it's dangerous because they've only lived maybe 20 years of their life most of it in school and in uh, a bubble uh and they've only had these naive thoughts and not really experienced the real world or how tough it can be. And so when they transition to this model lifestyle, uh, it's very tough to even imagine sometimes that, huh, maybe this won't last or maybe I could potentially lose a lot of money or not make even a fraction of this moving forward. Uh, So it's not I'm not saying this to demotivate you if you are a potential model who's listening or someone with a similar type of career path. I think what you have to do is leverage this to become one of those people who are in these situations and turn it into something greater. There's plenty of examples. There's Michael Strahan. Um, he was a football player uh, who played for a lot of big teams, made a lot of money, but then he leveraged that into a very successful uh, talk show host um, career. I think his name is Michael Strahan. Uh, yes, it is Michael Strahan. He, he's a great example. Um, and then there's a few, quite a few other examples. Jessica Alba is another great one. She uh, leveraged her, you know, youthful, attractive looks and the movie career that she developed to create a whole brand around her and then build an entire company around. Uh, Honest, organic, safe baby care products called the Honest Company. And that company is exceptionally successful now. Um, certain investors are valuing it at at least $1 billion valuation. But I, I think you can never trust those investors because they tend to overhype every type of valuation. I don't think the Honest Company, it may or may not be worth a billion dollars at this point. But the point is she, she really uh, leveraged that to a great career uh, later on. Of course, there's other, um, there are smart models out there. I I think a a couple years ago, I stumbled across this one model who did a Q and A session on YouTube. She was really big on Instagram and she revealed that she was taking nursing classes and going to nursing school on the side, like legitimately, not one of those models who are like saying, Oh, I'm going to be a nurse one day. And they, they clearly have no, um, plans or, evidence that they've even taken course or action on moving towards it. And of course, that usually implies that they won't get that. But um, 
this girl actually did and of course she said that once her modeling career ended she could effectively transition into a nurse uh there's other ways of doing it too that you have those super high-end uh models um supermodels like uh victoria secret angels who are long-term thinkers or uh they have just leveraged their whole brand kim kardashian is another example um uh, but there's a number of supermodels. I don't know their names. Uh, I think one is called uh, Adriana Lima. And they're just so successful as models uh, that they've kind of created a whole brand around themselves. So they're recognizable as personalities. And they've leveraged that so that even when their looks start fading, they have these business opportunities to go off of. I think the best example would be Kathy Ireland. There's a... Uh, fairly extensive biography of her in the book called in a book called Getting There, and um, basically Kathy Ireland, when she was at her peak, she was like one of the top supermodels of all time. Uh, but then when her modeling career ended, she was really really um, savvy and long term focused. So she started pitching and cold calling. All these different companies to try and start up her business uh, selling clothing and apparel. And after all these rejections and uh, different inventions failed, she finally hit it off with a uh, sock company. And the crazy part is like she slept in the airports and did all this stuff. And um, that's the type of hustle that a lot of supermodels may not do because they wouldn't think to... They, it'd be too low of them to even consider uh, sleeping at an airport when for most of their lives they had dined and lived and slept in luxury. So once again, if even if you're not a supermodel or actor or actress or entertainer, I think we can all learn a lot from this. I am definitely not in that sense. But there's a lot you can learn from thinking long term. There's also compound interest that goes into it. I mean, I could just go on and on about the reasons why you should do this and how. Um, but I just want to cut it short here because it's getting a little long and we should move on to the next common mistake now. Uh, the last, But before I do, I just want to throw in one last example of someone who has done this really well. And that would be another entertainer. Uh, he is the guy in the Expendables film. Uh, he is one of the top black actors. But before that, he was a, believe it or not, football player. What's interesting is in between those two careers, he actually uh, went broke. He spent too much money after he uh, retired from football. He, are you guessing who this is? It's Terry Crews. He's like one of the most well-recognized actors in the action film series on the planet right now. And um, uh, he has his own YouTube channel and he's done a few extensive videos explaining his life story. But essentially, uh, he made a lot of money in football. He retired uh, and then he spent and then he was broke and his wife told him he has to go back out there and work. He got a minimum wage job. And at first, he had, he was on his high horse. And like I mentioned, he thought he was too good for this and so forth. But he got out there and started moving. And eventually, 
he hustled and hustled, and slowly but surely he got a few acting crew uh, gigs, and then he 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 got into um, a TV show, and then eventually, over many many years, he built this into this empire. And so I just think it's a great story. You can learn a lot about what motivates him. Uh, spoiler alert: it's gratitude, similar to Gary Vaynerchuk. That's what motivates Gary a lot, um, uh, because he's such a you know. I think there's a lot you can learn. So I want to get to the next common mistake that young people make. And this one is uh, believing that they, you have to have one passion and that it's too late to switch and then just sticking or resigning to something forever. Uh, so the thing with this is that um, I used to believe this myself. Uh, and I think what a lot of people, what I used to refer to were all those super successful people who found their passion at the age of three, like Mozart or Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan, uh, and so on and so forth. Any top Olympic athlete or gymnast or even a chess player, they started very young and they spent the next like 15 years like hustling. And then of course now they're the best in the world. And uh, the argument goes that, well, you know, if I were to switch majors or careers in college or um, later in life, it's, I shouldn't because it's too late because they already have such a head start on me. And, you know, it takes so much time to develop and master and practice a craft and, you know, switching would just make me start over. And I, I'm already so behind the eight ball and so many people are working so hard and blah, blah, blah. And you just don't think you can catch up. Now, there is some truth to this. Don't get me wrong. Starting early does definitely help. There is no dying, uh, denying that. But what's interesting is that I believe that um, it's not the full picture. To really assess or come to a conclusion, you really have to have a full sample size and assess all the uh, statistical uh, data out there. You have to assess every person, not just the anomalies. Uh, so what exactly does this mean in this case? Well, I have a list of other successful people and you'll find that many of them didn't really find what ended up, you know, transitioning to their life calling until much later in life. Um, so this is also a lesson in persistence because they spent like years and years, even after they found it, they spent years and years, um, much longer than you would think before they actually made it big. So I'm just going to read off this list. Uh, at age 23, Tina Fey was working at YMCA. Uh, at age 24, Stephen King was working at, as a janitor and living in a trailer. Stephen King is, by the way, if you don't know, he's one of the most successful authors of all time. He has made more money and millions of dollars selling books uh, than... 99.999% of actors, uh, authors out there. Like he's in like the top 0.00001%. Um, at 27, Vincent van Gogh failed as a missionary and decided to go to art school. Uh, at age 28, JK Rowling was a single parent living on welfare. Uh, she hadn't written her first book yet. Age 30, Harrison Ford was a carpenter. That one really put me on a doozy. Harrison Ford is, one of the most successful, famous actors of all time. You know, um, he was in Indiana Jones, Star Wars. 
uh, he's Blade Runner, all these incredible films. And I think um, what people don't realize about him is that he really persisted and spent a long time uh, really trying to make it in acting. And I think so many people are uh, mistaken with overnight success or uh, success at a young age. They think that if you don't make it within your 20s, you're screwed. And that's completely wrong. Um, I used to believe it myself just because of all the stuff I saw on the news and in social media. All these young people making it rich. Here's the right way of thinking about this. First, it's a good thing because thanks to technology and the scalability of businesses, we can now become richer faster than we ever could in the past. Having said that, the key, one key fundamental to wealth and success and, and whatever else you want is patience and persistence. Uh, I believe that all these stories of people who have spent, you know, decades hustling after a craft should not be forgotten. It's not changed in the modern world. What's changed is that, um, we have been so lucky to be able to shorten that gap sometimes. Uh, but the foundation of that is nonetheless willing to put in 10, 20 years of work. I would say that now is even better in that way because your competitors don't know about this. They think that you have to get rich very quickly and they're, e- they're more likely and it's easier for them to give up. So you have an easier time because your competitors are shooting themselves in the foot with the same flawed mentality that you have, but won't have any more now that I've told you about it. So there's a ton more of these I want to read off, but uh, I'll just go through the top ones. Julia Child, um, at age 39, Julia Child released her first cookbook. And she finally got her own cooking show at the age of 51. Julia Child is widely regarded as uh, one of the top chefs of all time. Uh, Stan Lee, at age 40, Stan Lee released his first comic book. Stan Lee birthed 99% of the big superheroes everyone's ever heard of. From Captain America to Superman to Batman, not Batman, uh, uh, the Hulk, all the Marvel comics, Spider-Man, that was all Stan Lee's doing. And he really, you know, Really, only truly got started. I mean, he probably worked on his craft before then, but like you, as you can see, it takes time to really see those efforts. So the patience game is something that a lot of young people don't seem to do. There's Alan Rickman, uh, who was a successful actor. He played Snape in Harry Potter. Um, he was still just a graphic designer until 42. And that's when he landed his first movie career. Here's a huge one. At age 46, Samuel Jackson got his first major movie role. It took him that long. Samuel Jackson now is like one of the best actors of all time. Most people know who he is. He's widely respected. He's famous. Um, And I think that's the thing we don't realize about these people. We think that they're a lot younger than they were. At age 52, Morgan Freeman landed his first major movie role. Uh, at age 62, Colonel Sanders launched his first KFC franchise. At age 53, Ray Kroc founded McDonald's after working as a struggling milk 
shake salesman. So I guess you, I think you get the point. Uh, I've beat this point to death because it is important. Uh, but let's move on to a few other common mistakes of young people and we'll call it a day. So the next big thing that I think is incredibly important is understanding what brings success. So what do I mean by that? I see a lot of young people and they still assume that what makes you successful is IQ, looks, money, and that's about it. They think the smarter you are, the better you do in school, or the more money you have and the better you look, that's how you get girls. And there is some truth to that. Those factors are definitely important in the biological game in terms of attraction. They have been proven statistically to make you more attractive to women and succeed but on the on on its own it's far from a full picture so first off let's hit intelligence so there's multiple forms of intelligence most people think of intelligence as academic intelligence which is mathematical and verbal reasoning skills but the problem with that is that that is a very small percentage of what actually makes you successful uh in terms of financially or in terms of your dating life. So let's touch dating life first because that's more fun. It turns out there's a number of other forms of intelligence that are more attractive to women. Why? Because these were more important from a survival and reproduction standpoint for our ancestors. There's a lot more than you had to do to survive in the real world than be able to calculate equations. So biologically it's inherited that we these women screen for other traits so what other forms of intelligence are they interested in practical intelligence uh are you able to you know survive on your own can you cook dinner can you uh fix the car if it breaks down can you live on your own and you know fix the toilet and and really survive comfortably on your own Can you actually live in the real world? That's called practical intelligence. There's emotional intelligence. A lot of people talk a lot about emotional intelligence, also called EQ, so I won't harp on it too long, but essentially it's um, effectively navigating and understanding the emotions, feelings, and future feelings and emotions of others based off social interactions. Then there's social intelligence, which is... um, uh, it involves emotional intelligence, but there's also um, a lot of other factors in it. There's uh, understanding cultural norms, navigating social situations, uh, understanding how humans work and interact so that you know what offends them, what doesn't offend them, and, and essentially effectively navigating social interactions and, and, and doing so in a uh, fantastic way that works. Uh, so those are the big ones, really. And it just goes to show you that those things have a huge factor on your financial and dating success. And it makes so much sense. Uh, there's a lot of, ton of rich people who are really not that smart. They're smart enough, but they're not that smart. I saw um, this one uh, millionaire. His name is, um, uh, his, well, his podcast and his company and his site is called The Rise to the Top. His name is 
uh, David Seitman Garland. And um, I was watching a webinar of his and he literally couldn't do the math to calculate how much he made per year. He was like, I make $2,000 a day. What what is that? What is that a year? And he tried to do the math in his head, and he couldn't. And I'm like, this is the most basic math equation. And I'm not saying that to disparage him. I'm saying that as a kind of sideways compliment, because it just shows you that you don't have to be a mathematical or verbal genius in terms of the academic form of intelligence to succeed financially. So that's a huge one. Now, let's move beyond intelligence. What else is important? Again, I will touch on this a lot deeper in other podcasts. A lot of people have already in their content, um, but there's all sorts of other stuff. Goal setting, persistence, patience, willpower, self-discipline, um, focus, uh, financial knowledge, uh, uh, street smarts. A lot of different things in the world. It's more than just you know screwing around and doing what you want. Um, I want to conclude with just a la- last couple uh, common life mistakes that young people make. Hopefully, this will help you uh, just catapult your life to success. Uh, another one would be questioning, not questioning uh, anything that you do. Always ask yourself why. If someone tells you something, ask why. If someone tells you this is the best way of doing it, ask yourself why. Maybe not out loud. Sometimes it's not socially intelligent to like question this guy because it triggers his ego. And then, you know, if he's your boss, he gets fired or something like that. But, you know, in most cases, the point is uh, question the system, the process. Uh, there's this uh, book called Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vishen Lakiani. And there's a section in a book. I wrote a whole blog post on it uh, titled How to Be um, how to improve self-worth. But uh, the section of the his book is called How to Be Unfuckwithable. And uh, there's also there's all these sections before and after that. And the point of uh, uh, this these sections of the book were was to prompt you to question the truths and norms of society. Uh, for example, he says don't just do things because that's what your ancestors or society tells you to do. Like just because everyone else is working a nine to five job and that's what, and and they just transition from work from school to work and then retirement home. That doesn't mean that you have to live by that. Sometimes society's structure was made to keep the worst of society in check rather than propel the best of society to their fullest potential. So what if you don't want to do that? Well, buck the system. Maybe you want to travel the world and have your own business and live a location-independent lifestyle and do whatever the heck you want that's completely different from society's norm of, okay, you have to have a house and a wife at this point in your life. And that is a opinion, a thought process that very few other people I've met in real life or online seem to share, except for the really successful people. I know plenty, plenty, plenty of people who are my age and they are have conformed to the system. Some, that's what they want. And no, no harm, no foul. But some of them, they want something else, but they have just assumed that there's no other way when that's not actually true. So question these things. Like, why is this true? Steve Jobs has a quote. 
He said this in a really old interview. You can look it up on YouTube. He said, once you realize that the people who set the rules of society were, are no, were no smarter than you, then you realize that you can create your own rules and create a better world for yourself. And the moment you realize that, everything changes. Now, when I first heard that, I was very excited, but at the same time, like, I'm like, okay, does everything really change? Like, am I just going to kind of, um, buck the system and like go homeless on the streets and like start a company? And it's like, there are some standards of society that are very useful. Like a lot of businesses fail too. So it's not like as easy peasy as it sounds. Uh, but the general point is that a lot of rules and assumptions and beliefs and cultural norms may not apply to you or may not be the best thing. In fact, everything in life defined by humans are really just the best things that they have found to work so far. They've done a lot. Some of them have done a lot of testing to figure out the best method. And you may be wise to follow that method and master it first before testing out new things. But other things and maybe all things have better ways of doing them that we haven't figured out. Everything's technically just a theory, like theory of relativity. All those things are just what we have found to define the system, the universe, the laws of the world, the universe to the best that we can as of so far. So I'm not going to get too philosophical. The very, very, very last thing, uh, the very biggest last common mistake that young people make is that they are ungrateful. I think it, it may sound cliche or stupid, but hear me out because it's a lot different than you might think. Here's what I mean. Um, when I was just a couple years younger, I was so focused on what I didn't have. Uh, and I was just so focused on uh, what I wanted. I wanted money. Maybe I wanted some fame. Maybe I wanted uh, a better upbringing. I wish I had more, op- you know, more money to make more opportunities. And I just focused so much on what I didn't have. And I wish maybe I was uh, uh, born a different race so I fit in with Americans better. All these different things. Um, and I focused on my obstacles. The fact that maybe people were racist to me or something like that. And then I stumbled across Warren Buffett and a bunch of other successful people who changed my mindset completely. Uh, they taught me that just by being born, I already won a lottery. There are hundreds and hundreds of countries out there, but I was born in the United States. Out of all the countries, I was born in the best country I could have possibly be born in. The one with the most opportunity to live a better life. Some countries out there, you're just screwed from birth because, you you know, there's slavery, there's sex trafficking, there's no education system whatsoever. There's um, all these things against you. In China, there's 10 times more people vying for the same few slots and same few colleges out there. And it's so much more competitive. And if you don't even make the bare minimum of academic performance, which is just on such a higher competitive level, you don't even get considered for colleges. 
you're kind of just screwed partially from birth in a way. And if I had lived there, my chances of success would have diminished dramatically. I think now China's kind of morphed into a capitalist society. So there's uh, more opportunities to grow businesses and succeed. But even then, like I would have been just so discouraged and I probably wouldn't have stumbled across personal development or, you know, podcasts like this one. And I would have lost, I wouldn't have had hope and I definitely would have been in a worse situation. So my parents were smart enough to go here and uh, have a baby here, which was me. And out of all, there's so many countries out there, hundreds that are so much worse off. Like you have no education whatsoever. You have no chances. And so I already won the lottery there. I'm so grateful for that. Um, and And it just keeps going from there. So if you focus on the grateful things that you have, you will do so much better and get so much farther ahead because the other way puts you in an excuse mindset. When you start thinking like I used to, you are always poised to come up with an excuse for why you aren't succeeding and so forth. And the problem with that is 99% of your excuses are BS. And, and the only thing really stopping you from getting to where you want to get to is you. Uh, I, again, pointing back to Gary Vaynerchuk's, uh, show on YouTube, he had this one guy call in when he was, uh, uh, when he had John Legend on the show and this guy was a musician and he just kept making all these excuses, all these excuses. Oh, it's too expensive for me to buy equipment. That's the only reason I'm not successful yet. And it's like, dude, to buy, to make music. And that was his thing. He was like, it's too expensive to make music. It's so easy and cheap these days. That should not be excused. That's exactly what John Legend told this guy. He's like, nowadays, dude, all you need is a computer with GarageBand and you can make better music than, you know, $100,000 studios could in the past. Uh, and, you know, all the back in the day, you had to rent out a studio. Now you could do it with so much less. And then Gary was like, dude, back in the day, Prince was a janitor. Even though he was a janitor and he didn't make money, somehow he scraped together. He made it happen. He scraped together the money and he somehow got himself a foot in the music industry. I, I think uh, I can go on and on, but you can watch the episode for yourself. There was a lot of excuses this guy made. Um, gratitude really fuels a lot of people. It fuels Gary. It fuels um, Terry Crews. Terry says that uh, gra- gratitude is really the main motivation that keeps him such high energy all the time. It was, he's such a statistical anomaly. Um, be, and, and, you know, he was born in a country that gave him these opportunities. Uh, he, he, many of his, uh, his friends were, went to jail or are on drugs or are dead now. And he is the only one who kind of made it. And he shouldn't have made it given that all the, obstacles against him and he's just so grateful that like a country like this allows that to occur so you know the u.s is they don't unlike what many people think i've talked to a lot of immigrants you know they come here and they think the streets are paved in gold and no because that's that's stupid people would just steal the gold but it's something better uh if you're willing to work hard and uh hustle which this country tends to attract all the hustlers from all the other countries, it has a unique uh, way of doing that. But if you're willing to do that, uh, it gives you the opportunity to make more gold 
than the streets can be paved with in a way, um, in the form of money and in the forms of uh, relationship, gold, and you know, helping others and impacting the world. So gratitude is huge. Uh, Will Smith has a quote. He says, Will Smith, he's referring to himself in the third person, Will Smith would not have happened in any other country. And I think the point is that um, American dynamism, the, 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 the capitalist system, of course, it's not perfect. There's some definitely bad parts about commercialism and uh, businesses, but there's a lot of good to it too. And it just gives you hope. It gives you a new opportunity that you may not have considered. And it gives you a chance. So if, if you can focus on what's good to you rather than what's not, and this is something that many of these tips I've mentioned or something even I need constant reminding of because I forget and I get lost. Uh, but if you focus on what you do have, the fact that I have two eyes, I can hear, I can talk, I can walk with my legs, that I'm still alive at this age, that um, all these things that I'm so grateful for, if you focus on what you have, then you go so much farther and you might, you know, some of you might be haters and you might be like, oh, well, everyone has eyes and, you know, I have to still c- compete with all these people who also have these same blessings, but you, you're not seeing it in the right way. W- many people are born without eyes. They're born without legs. I know I've met people in school who died from cancer at the age of 18, 20. I know people who have you know they're so behind the eight ball in so many ways they 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 broke their legs there's this one girl she literally her whole body was burned from a tragic car accident and it melted her face and she's still grateful and you might be like oh those are statistical anomalies that's like one in a hundred thousand cases you can't use that to you know really force yourself to be grateful i disagree because those things prove that you can be behind the eight ball, so far behind others with your obstacles and still come out ahead. If you're grateful for what you have, if you get out of the complainer excuse mentality and succeed. I, I can't tell you how many stories I've discovered of people who were worse off than me and got far beyond where I wanted to go. And of course, it's not easy. Trust me, I've been trying to you know get there for many years now. I'm still not there, which is... um Fine, because it's part of the journey. But these people just show you how far you can get. I'll give you one last example. We'll call it a day. Helen Keller. Um, this guy, this girl, was born blind and deaf. Yet she made more of an impact than all all these men and women that have lived and died, who have had eyes and uh, ears and and mouth. She couldn't see or talk. But she made such an impact. And you might be like, oh, well, she used her disadvantage uh, to her advantage by making a sob story. No, don't. If you're saying stuff like that, it means that you are entirely in excuse mode and you're you're using unfounded information, not based off actually even knowing her life story. Uh, Because clearly that's not the case because there's there's plenty of deaf people. There's also plenty of hundreds of thousands of blind people nowadays. But those people have not made as much impact as Helen Keller. Uh, So I can go on and on, but this podcast is getting really long. I'm going to cut it short here. Uh, There's plenty of other videos and evidence to prove to you how important these things are. But 
Um, I'm hoping that you guys, some of you out there are willing to just consider these and not the stubborn people who uh, have to sit through an hour of me arguing the why to really believe me. So if you are one of those people, um, I have a few more tips to rattle off as bonus tips here, uh, which I won't dive into the why. Uh, the first is push your comfort zone. Always push your comfort zone. Second is always push past fear. The only thing you should fear is fear yourself, fear itself. And then the last big tip uh, in terms of you know avoiding common life mistakes that young people make is... Uh, Value things above money. Money is not the only thing that's important. Um, shout out to the book, Top 5 Regrets of the Dying. But remember that uh, family time is important. Relationships with your children or your friends are uh, important. Friends uh, is a weird one. You know, that that's in the realm where it can get to a point of unproductive and unimportant where they, do, they want you to party all the time. In that case, you know, maybe you get better friends. Um, and especially if they're taking you away from uh, your career success. Uh, but just realize that there are more important stuff than life and don't overemphasize money for those things because you might, may live to re- regret them on your deathbed. No one says they want to spend more time at work when they're about to die. Uh, they usually regret not spending enough time at home. Um, and last, enjoy the present moment because it's, the most important, be present in whatever you're doing now. Don't let the future or past control you. or Don't think too much about those to a point where uh, they cause unhappiness. Stay present. Uh, and that is all I have for you. Hopefully this podcast helped. If you are a helpful person and if you felt this uh, helped, please go to willyoulaugh.com slash podcast, which will redirect you to my iTunes uh, podcast page. And from there, uh, there will be a uh, button or link you can click to write a review. I encourage you to write a review of a review and rate my podcast because it helps spread the word about this podcast. And feel free to be completely honest with your review. I'm not pressuring you to write a five-star review. If you don't like my podcast, I still encourage you to write a review on iTunes. It uh, helps this podcast get spread in. Uh, I thank anyone who does do that. Uh, Thanks so much, and I'll see you in the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening to Will's Personal Development Podcast. You can find more at willyoulaugh.com.